0: And again this is like men are losing their status they're checking out they're not getting educated they're not getting jobs they're they're getting depressed and it's showing up differently like you know i think generally women are much more likely to publicly complain about things and identify as depressed and say all these things whereas men don't they're very quiet and they silently suffer and they just back out of society Would
1: you like to know more So we're going to go over these numbers this is year over year fertility decline in these countries hmm. So you already know one number In Korea, year over year for Q3, it was what 14%. Like, I thought
0: it was 11%, or 11%.
1: It was just incredibly hot. like double digits decrease in a country that's already doing that bad. And Seoul's already at 0.53 fertility rat row. So, here we go Romania 19.4% decrease year over year, Latvia. 19% decrease year over year. Lithuania, 17.8% decrease year over year. Estonia, 16.3% decrease year over year. Mongolia, 16.1%. I don't know what this is. Federation BIH, 10.10%. Serbia. Oh,
0: no, it's not Hungary. Hmm.
1: uh, Is is 9.1%. Netherlands is... 9%. 9%. Belgium is 8.5%, Russia is 8.4%, Croatia is 8.2%, Hungary is 6.6%, Armenia is 6.1%, Thailand is 5.9%, Kosovo is 4.4 uh 4.1%, and Uzbekistan is only 3% or 2.8%. So not that bad. Oh, good 17.6%? Ouch. And Japan is 11.9%. So,
0: so roughly the same as what we saw for South Korea, if memory yeah, serves.
1: If, if, if you are somebody who works in the field of statistics, a double-digit year-over-year decrease is catastrophic. Yeah, catastrophic. This is really this not, is not really. like a small thing. This is not an irrelevant thing.
0: Yeah. and And we're talking with people about this. Day in, day out. Yesterday we had like a 90-minute conversation with someone writing a book about this. Mm-hmm. And and this is where sort of like I, I read something this morning that now, like because I mean, you know, our solutions to prenatalism, they're like very gender egalitarian. They're like, how do we make this work in mm-hmm. a society where we keep high levels of education, high levels of of prosperity, high levels of 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 gender equality and choice, mm-hmm. and also the choice to not get married and not have kids if you don't want to. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But then I'm reading this Substack and and I'll tell you more about it. And I'm just like, oh man. So I'd never heard of this author on Substack before. Arctotherium is is his name. And he he writes in this, this analysis of the baby boom, assuming he's a he, for reasons that will become apparent later in my rant about all this, that basically nations that have undergone a first demographic transition Sort of, you know, when a nation becomes prosperous and more gender egalitarian and blah, 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 with more education, they start to see a decline in fertility. And he argues that baby booms prove that this decline can be reversible. Okay, great. You know, that's hopeful. And I'm like, this is going to be great. I want to read this. I want to hear his analysis as to what it is that drives a, a baby boom, you know, and so that maybe we can like come to new ideas and I can read someone else's ideas on what might aid pronatalism in an era of demographic collapse. And it seems, you know, like, I'm reading this and it seems like we're very much on the same page with values. He writes, quote, many theories of fertility decline claim that it is the inevitable result of various good things, technological advancement, wealth, education, science through weakening religion, urbanization, individualism and declines in childhood mortality. Since almost no one really wants to go back to being high mortality, low tech, extremely poor, rural and ignorant. The story goes, we simply need to live with it. There is good empirical evidence for all these things mattering, but what the baby boom shows is that it is possible to have it all, unquote. And I'm like, Yeah, 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 totally agree. So like we're on the same page. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like, Okay, okay. Like he's the he's the got me. He's got me. Yeah, right. And then and he 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 then connects baby booms, this magical reversal that we're all trying to make happen to marriage booms. And I'm like, okay, this totally makes sense. We agree. This is, you know, a crisis of relationships. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What he does quite compellingly with tons of graphs and a lot of stats is show that really marriage is, is a big driving factor here, more than I had thought when it came to specifically baby booms you know he points out that for example most fertility and the highest fertility is with monogamous married couples that couples that stay married have the most kids and and I, we've seen this from other people too oh, there's
1: a shocking statistic here that you would told me like of people who stay married for x many years something percent of them have a kid
0: like they have a lot of kids. I, like they're like average fertility is quite high, but I can't remember exactly what it is. But like several, several people from very different philosophical cam- philosophical camps within the pronatalist movement all have this thing of like, you know, monogamous marriage is a very key driver of fertility. So I'm like, yeah, okay, like-,
1: like I'm trying to remember this. It's something like. On average, a couple that stays married for 30 years has an average number of like 4.5 kids.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really high number of kids. And yeah, I, I have to look up that It stack. sounds I,
1: unbelievable. We'll find it. We yeah, it, it
0: did see. seem unbelievable, but it's, you know, I think it's easy for anyone to agree that yes, you know, like stably married couples, and he he has a lot of graphs in this sub, And we'll, of course, link mm-hmm. to the Substack post that, that sort of show like the fertility for married couples living together, married couples with a partner that's absent, separated couples and like various levels of divorce and singlehood and obviously like highest fertility is a it, clearly i mean even among our friends who are super pronatalist the ones that have the most kids have a partner who's there to help them with the kids obviously it's this is not rocket science so then this this author proceeds to say okay so what caused this marriage boom he says the answer appears to be a rise in young men's status compared to young women's Now, that was interesting to me. I haven't heard anyone talk about this before. So I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. This is good. I'm getting my popcorn out. I'm chewing. This is good. He writes, the marriage boom can be explained almost entirely by a combination of female labor force participation down, young male wages up and male employment, oh, sorry, and male unemployment down. And now I'm like, Ooh, like well, i a little nervous. Male up
1: or male employment down is what you meant to say. Yeah, male
0: unemployment down, meaning male employment up. So like, I'm starting to get a little nervous because there's this camp within pronatalism, right? That's like, well, the whole problem is when women got educated and then they got on the pill and and, and then they, and so all we have to do is just stop, stop female education and, and put them back in the okay, home. Okay, continue, and continue. And so I'm like getting a little nervous. I'm like, oh man, is he like one of these guys? But here's, here's where he like gets, you know, like the coaster is going back up. Like I'm like, okay, this is good because he says, note that what matters here is relative gains, not absolute gains. Women did not make less money during the baby boom, he means, and were not less educated in 1960 as compared to 1930, Mm -hmm. merely less so in comparison to their male peers. The mechanism here is clear. Young women want money and status. Young men have relatively more money and status. Women can get men's money and status by marrying them. Marriage leads to babies, thus the baby boom. And I'm like, oh man, like, okay, this is resonating again. You're kind of right there. like, (laughs) Okay, continue, continue. Right. Well, and, and I just want to make a note here that like a big problem that we have encountered when trying to match make friends and when we talk with people about relationship markets and whatnot right. is this problem of women really wanting a man who is higher in status than them. Even if they're super feminist, even if they're super you know independent, they still want a guy who's higher in status than them. So this male, this like relative male status thing is totally real. No matter how progressive you are, you know, no matter how woke you are, you're still you're still super into that. So. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. But then here's where I'm like, ugh, but like, is he right? But like, ugh, is he says, what ended the baby boom? In three words, second wave feminism. By this, I mean the suite of changes referred to as the sexual revolution, no fault divorce, normalization of premarital sex, delegitimization of marriage as an normative form of family, combined with a concerted, politi- concerted political campaign to raise women's relative economic and social status. <sighs> Okay, so I, I totally agree with some things here, and I'm like, oh, with other things. So his prescriptions, and let's just discuss his prescriptions one by one. so we'll we'll stop after each one. But so hold
1: on, we, before you get further, there was something you talked to me about this morning, which I think is important for people to understand is okay. he did a very good job of showing that historically, what people have argued is like it's the pill that causes this
0: right. And so, yeah, he and I, showed so I, it
1: in graphs, when the pill was introduced versus when various women's rights movements happened and Mm -hmm. succeeded. Yeah. And it seems to correlate much more with women's rights than it does with the pill or any sort of fertility. And, and,
0: and this is tentative. This is not a perfect argument because after, after I read this, the one graph he showed was the legalization of the pill in Japan. And he demonstrated that fertility plummeted in Japan before the pill became publicly like widely available but after second wave feminism started to have influence now i push back on that a little bit because one i know how culturally behind on picking like up trends japan has been i mean when my parents were in japan in the 80s it was Second wave feminism was not exactly a thing. Like I, mm. I, I think I think he's totally off there. He's grasping at straws. When you actually look at the release of the pill and second wave feminism making its rise, and I had Claude sort of walk me through both of them. You know, I I got the legalization of of the pill at various stages, mm-hmm. and then I also saw like the various like big milestones, like big publications and protests and media events for second wave feminism that would have spread those ideas and led to normalization. It all happened at the same time. These things are so. Intertwined, I think it's impossible for someone to successfully parse them out. And using Japan as an example is just not. So I, I question his methods here. I still think it's a compelling argument, and I do think, frankly, and you and I agree, it is culture and not scientific intervention. So I don't think the the pill is is any more strongly influential on pronatalism as a like legalizing abortion is. Like we found that when you make abortion illegal, it doesn't bring back birth rates. Right. So like this is you know it may temporarily cause a a spike, but it, it doesn't permanently cause a spike. So again, I, I don't think he's wrong, but I do question his methods. Anyway, that's kind of beside the point. I, I think he, he makes an extremely strong argument. And this idea of relative male status to female status is really important. What I find nice about it is his point that like, this doesn't mean female disempowerment. This doesn't mean women work in the home. Like this doesn't mean that, you know, women, it is not a, a handmaid's tale scenario that he's asking for at all. He's just saying, you got to give men a chance to excel in society really fundamentally but let's go back to his prescriptions so i think they're actually quite interesting and this is a this is a clever guy he he encourages first roll back the welfare and pension state and lower income taxes this is interesting he argues this because he believes that a lot of the like lack of dependence on marriage and la- lack of interest in marriage is that you know, women can do just fine without a partner, and a lot of that's because of welfare. He-, he believes that women are disproportionately reliant on welfare and able to qualify for welfare, which is, I think, accurate.
1: Oh, oh did you hear about the thing about, I think it was welfare or something, that one of our friends was telling us about women versus men, and they were like, men basically never ever qualify for this program. That makes sense. Yeah that people think that they do like it's, it's it's broadly equal access it really isn't i think yeah. it was welfare i think it was it might not have been welfare it was something like welfare it was various some social programs government assistance program yeah and it turned out that while it says it's open to both genders it's really not they're like <laughs> look i work in the approvals department and we oh. approve like five men a year oh god and, and 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 literally just tons and tons and tons of women yeah
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that that is a dampener on marriage. And I mean, in general, I think that you and I would argue that we would prefer from a pronatalist perspective, but also from like a societal health perspective, that local communities offer Mm -hmm. these amenities more than the government. The government offering these amenities causes problems, disempowerment, um, poor services, actually, Mm -hmm. like not really good service provision. Whereas like if you live in a tightly knit Catholic community, Mormon community, um, Jewish community, Amish community, whatever, and they provide this support to community members, you're going to get higher quality, higher cultural fidelity, better mental health, etc. So I don't disagree with him on this. I'm, I'm kind of cool with this. So then on to the next one. And this is also super interesting. And I we love it, but for different reasons. He, he argues that we should roll back the regulatory state. Why? He says affirmative action in favor of women is, is common across the baby boom countries, as is disproportionate female employment in state created regulatory jobs such as human resources. So he's basically saying that, like, a lot of women have employment and positions and incomes. Because of massive, sprawling government bureaucracy and rules and regulations that like a, a you gynocracy... do
1: compete men in bureaucracies is it exactly one of the areas where women do really well. Right. In bureaucracy?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So if you get rid of the bureaucracy, you're getting rid of ugh, this headband is not staying in. You're getting rid of you're, you're getting rid of a lot of female employment. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, you know, one way we can get women more dependent on men or at least like lower in status is by removing government bureaucracy. I mean, you and I are super in favor of anything that eliminates government bureaucracy. It hadn't occurred yeah. to me that this would disproportionately yeah. affect women's employment. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, uh, but but Whoa. at the same time, no, rip off the band-aid. Like he's right. One, this is like, this is not helpful bureaucracy. It is toxic. And again, like it, we're not removing women's opportunity to get work. We're just removing... An industry that we think is a cancerous growth that also, like, you know, yeah. is is disproportionately favoring them, kind of an, in a, in an unfair way. So, okay, that's the next one. So, you, okay. you do you kind of agree?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I don't agree with everything. I'm gonna get to where I don't agree when you're done with these.
0: Okay, all right, this is fun. <laughs> so the other is he wants to end affirmative action for women and ban or de facto ban as similar lobbying organizations for men are the thousands of organizations, scholarships, and programs that exist to promote women's career success. This is interesting. Yes,
1: I agree. I strongly agree with this. Women, yeah, I, I this think has gone too far. Men, If you are sane and you look at the statistics, yeah. people are like, oh, whatever gap.
0: Yeah. Wage gap. No, no, no. That that, that is it's bullshit. It's that that's over. We've we've solved the problem. And I think at this point now, and and I've I've seen this happen, like I was we were currently at a a few few weeks ago, we were at a retreat with a lot of really high performing people in government and media, etc. And I, I came across a couple of people whose primary complaint about their job and their organization their and their industry was that there were a bunch of of Affirmative action people who were like totally fine people, smart, wonderful, whatever, but they were just, they were simply not qualified for the position. And they were in yeah. it and it was hurting the organization. And these people cared deeply about the missions of their organizations. And they were just so frustrated by the fact that, like, that people were getting promotions, people were getting positions that they frankly just weren't qualified for. So I'm against this in principle. I'm not against this because I'm like anti-woman. I'm just like, listen, if you're not qualified for it, you should not get the job. So I totally agree with him here. Well, and this here. is like
1: these board positions they have in California where you right. have a certain number of women on your board. And we know women who just like professionally take these positions. Yeah. And it yeah. is, and they're not qualified. Yeah, it's, it's like an exploit that they figured
0: out. Well, and I think the other issue that we found with a lot of these affirmative action things is like they don't serve actually persecuted to increase equality.
1: Or... no they don't
0: no it, they, they they serve very intelligent already wealthy already well connected people who are who are smart enough and well connected enough to even know about these opportunities well, no, what they do
1: is they serve to increase equality among the friend group of the people in power <laughs> in our society yeah so yeah. the people who are legislating these laws and stuff like that they're like, oh, are my friends more employed? Are my female friends more employed? <laughs> oh, yeah, take yes, on women? Yeah, 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 of course they are now. So it's yeah. all.
0: But it's like the same 35 women, you know, or like the same 35 insert, no, it is. It's, it's you know, scam. diversity it, quota it's thing here. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally so. I totally agree. Here's another one that we super agree with that is also like, that I like, you know, for the reasons he's into it, I'm like, ah, but yeah.
1: Okay, um, okay.
0: Defund education. Because right now, women, yes, I, agree. I mean, like, totally, be, I mean, like, education, obviously, like, academia is it morally broke, truth broke, like, it's not functioning anymore, things aren't replicating, It's it's totally, like, overtaken by these cancerous growths, you know, even, even just, like, school endowments now are so big that they're just kind of there to, like, keep earning money, it's ridiculous, well, so.
1: I, mean, I think even secondary education, when you look at the plight of the average secondary education, you know, high school teacher, middle school teacher you know, they don't earn much money. They don't what Right. We need to do is just lay off a good 75% of them, replace them with AI.
0: And free them up for work that they actually care about. You yes. Know.
1: If they're going to complain about how much they're being paid, then we should consolidate resources on those of them that statistically <laughs> are showing better outcomes.
0: Well, and, and actually, you know, we, we talked about this during the pandemic. There, there were issues of Of many teachers unions, I'm not going to name names or name like which school districts I heard this from, but from, you know, people working in school districts were finding that the teachers, when it was time to go back to school, refused to go back to school, they didn't want to reopen the schools. And this is why you see actually in districts where teachers unions were stronger, schools opened later. So the school closures in the end, like the tail end of the pandemic did not correlate with actual pandemic outbreak levels they correlated with the strength of teachers unions why well because many of these teachers oh and, and oh sorry the other thing not just not just going back to school did they resist they also resisted doing more than like three or four hours of synchronous learning per day So, like, literally, they would not Mm -hmm. be on camera live with their students or talking live with their students for more than four hours of the day. Why? Because they'd taken on side gigs. They were doing learning pods. They were doing tutoring. Frankly, these people had found lucrative, gainful employment, doing work that they found to be more impactful. And I I don't blame them. Who wants to teach to a standardized test? Who wants to go to a classroom?
1: I think to take that level of uh, a play as a teachers union to be like, we will not do more than three hours. Of the that's like that you only do that sort of thing with your boss when you genuinely don't care about losing your job.
0: Like well, no, they, they know they can't lose their jobs though, in many cases. I mean, it, it depends on the district, but like I, I think it's more of an issue of 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 impunity of strength of teachers unions and just sort of knowing that like Well, I mean, public sector unions shouldn't be legal. It's I mean, yeah, but so anyway, like the defund education thing, we totally agree with. And and again, when you also look at educational attainment, and you're right, actually, you know, this starts even at primary school. Men are men are screwed over in primary school, men are really underserved and and not well treated by the legacy education system, the current education system. And so, yeah, a way to give men a, a, an advantage, a better way to stick out is. It's to defund education and or de-emphasize education as a like credentialing process because, you know, the, a big problem is women will look down upon men who do not have their level of education or greater. And yet it's like yeah. it's like saying like, you know, a. <laughs> But like, oh, so I expect you to excel at, at my level or better in a system that has been systematically biased against you since you were in kindergarten. It's so screwed up. So I totally agree with him there. She's,
1: she's telling the truth about the kindergarten thing. You mm-hmm. look at men how they do in kindergarten. You look at men how they do in high school, in middle school, dramatically worse. It's oh, well, like dude, it's- I mean, look, think, think about our children in in daycare now. Men now are underperforming. If you look at the young ages, right? where like you're 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 likely going to see the biggest impact of all this gender policy, mm. they are underperforming more than women underperformed at the very height of, quote unquote, misogyny. Yeah if you look at the education gaps in things like high school and then you compare that with the very height of the income gap during the women earn less whole thing. They don't even come close. I should note here that I meant at the height of when people cared about the pay cap, not the actual height of the pay gap. Obviously, at the actual height of the pay gap, you know, in the 1920s or something, obviously it was larger. But I'm talking about like in the 80s when it was like, oh, women earn 10% less than men, where if you look at men in school systems today, uh, they definitely do more than 10% worse than women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like suffice it to say we agree. Here's a place where I'm I'm pretty conflicted. Oh no,
1: hold on. this is so funny is women will be like, well, men should work harder if their if their education rates are lower. You'll see this, you'll see this. This is that's gonna be yeah, the response. Anyway, you're gonna say something.
0: His his next prescription is he says pronatalist monetary incentives should be targeted at married husbands rather than mothers. For I for example is this strongly. He, he argues that like if this were, for example, had to be gender neutral, which he seems to be opposed to, he would want to see pronatalist incentives in the form not of like, you know, support from the state, but rather income tax breaks. Because obviously that would like disproportionately benefit men who pay the highest amount of income tax, which is interesting. Here's where I feel conflicted. I really feel like, you know, if you if you are gonna support you know, parents, it is, it is often the case that men are, are less available. Like not everyone is the incredible dad that you are. And you may not realize that Malcolm, because you were like the dream dad. And I, you blow my mind every single day and our kids adore you. And I just, oh, I don't, but you're not real Malcolm. You're not like, you like, I don't know how you exist. You are not human. I I hope I don't wake up from my coma. I want to stay in this coma. Please do But you know what, whatever, like, if you guys can read my mind in my coma, do not, wake me up but anyway like I'm just like I do feel that there are obviously there are um, billions of toxic moms that are terrible and and you know obviously the kids would be better with dads but still like I don't know if like we should just be assuming that you know men should hold all the cards you know they're not necessarily the the best people to hold the reins here so I I, I don't know about this i I, I do I do I, I I would love actually though I think a really great pernalist policy is, support in the form of an income tax break. That is great because it it, it rewards productive members of society. It, it, it incentivizes people who are likely to raise very successful kids to have kids. I think it's great. So I, I kind of agree with that. Okay. Continue. And then the final one is roll back the sexual revolution. and you know he's referring to no fault divorce. He's referring to sex before marriage or at least like sort of encouraging or not shaming sexual promiscuity. You know, weirdly, we're, we're on the same page with that, but not really. weirdly like with our daughters. We're not going to say we're not going to say we we would hate you for having premarital sex. We would shame you for doing that, like, you know, being promiscuous. We would just say, listen, here are the trade offs. You need to be aware of them. You need to be realistic. And I, I also think that no fault divorce is important. You know, our argument in the Pragmatist Guide to Relationships is if your relationship isn't working and if, you know, one person knows that they would be way better out of it, it, it doesn't matter if it's both. Like that, the sooner you end it, the better. The, this idea of, of, of sticking people in marriages is pretty toxic. So I don't know about this whole no fault divorce thing either. I think people should be able to leave toxic relationships easily.
1: What do you think? So two statistics here, which are really interesting and I think undermine a lot of the arguments. Well, One, this one doesn't undermine as much, but it's something that people should really know. Okay. This whole like black pilled men's movement, like women will can screw you over, divorce, rape, you're entering the situation you can never get out of. Yeah. It's bullshit. And, like well, a lot well, of no, and,
0: no, men no, are screwed no, 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 over no. in divorce court. Hold on.
1: Hold on. It does happen. Yes. But it happens. So here's an example of a statistic. Oh, right. You know, you know I know fake, what you're about to say. Okay. Yeah. You would think it's fake if you believed what this movement was telling you. Right. But it's not fake, it's, it's, it's a real statistic. That of child custody cases where the man tries to win the custody battle doesn't just immediately say, I'm not trying, around 70 percent are won by men.
0: So that's yeah, and that's that that really blew my mind when we first were told that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because a lot of these movements have an interest in lying to people. They want people to feel better about the situations they have created for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because just as much as the progressive movement wants to say, none of this is really your fault, we can just give you money, it all goes away. There's an aspect of the red pill movements that's the same way. Totally. If you want to argue on the other side of this, there was a pretty good article that made arguments on the other side of this called Misrepresentation of Gender Bias in the 1989 Report of the Gender Bias Committee of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. This piece does make it pretty clear that these numbers do appear to be legitimate. However, there are different ways you can run the data that will lead to you finding stuff like When mothers sought sole custody, the court granted the request at a rate 65% higher than when fathers made the same request. The larger point here is that the numbers are not as holistically and overwhelmingly weighted towards the side of mothers just get whatever they want, as many men's rights activists would have you believe. It is more a men and women are biologically different and have biologically different wants and behavior patterns on average, and that leads to differences in how much they want things like sole custody of kids. You know, I haven't done the video yet. I, I haven't posted it yet because I'm I'm a little scared to be this antagonistic to our audience. <laughs> uh oh. But it's the one on the reason you haven't found a wife is really your own fault.
0: But it well, but Yeah, but we we view that about pretty much everything.
1: I mean, with everything, it's about radical self responsibility. I agree. And those yeah. are the factions of society that will survive. Mm-hmm. But I am, I mean, the, the Black Pill movement, the Black Pill movement towards marriage and stuff like that mm-hmm. justifies its own failures by lying to itself about the real world successes. They're like 50% mm-hmm. of marriages end in divorce, 50% of marriages do not end in divorce, not anymore. Not even close. I think it's something like 20, 25%. I'll find the statistic and put it on the screen. Nice. But yeah, no. And even when that 50% number came out, that was because they were counting the same marriages. So my dad went through like four or five marriages. So, okay, if he went through five marriages, count. right? And he was in a sample size with five other people, people would say 50% of marriages in a divorce. Right. And, it's like, <laughs> and then those five other people never got a divorce at all. And it's like, no, my dad just is a really unpleasant person to be married to note if you want to take the other side of this argument what you can do is say yes millennial divorce rates are very low but their marriage rates are also very low so it doesn't really matter that their divorce rates are low i just like to always try to present both sides when i can and and no, this is this is important to know. Like a lot of people pretend like the law is much more against them than it really is, mm-hmm. because it allows them to take paths of inaction. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Second thing is this whole baby boom bullshit that he's doing. Okay, okay, okay. We know from studies, I think it was in Thailand or something, somewhere in Southeast Asia, that if you look at regions where tsunamis hit versus Mm -hmm. regions where tsunamis didn't hit, but they were, Mm -hmm. you know, culturally, economically, otherwise similar, you saw baby booms in the regions where the tsunamis hit. Mm Map deaths like periods of intense struggle, and and,
0: yet not not even where the tsunamis hit, but where people lost like children. You know, Mm -hmm. where there was like extra tragedy.
1: So it is tragedy. It is loss of human life. It is this extreme suffering.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. It's it's not it's not suffering per se. It's having a reason to have kids. It's having no, a I reason disagree. to fight. The baby
1: boom was not an intentional reason to have kids. It was men coming back from a war that had experienced intense tragedy. Mm. They weren't trying to like repopulate the country's like soldier base or something. That was not. Mm. The reason behind the baby boom, it was literally, I think, that tragedy and suffering and extreme hardship triggers a drive to reproduce in humans.
0: I don't I don't know if it has to be tragedy and suffering. I think that the, there are, for example, look at the Amish, okay? High birth rates. They are not, like, subject to huge amounts of tragedy. There are
1: other things that can trigger a high birth rate. Yes. The point I'm making is that the baby boom is not a replicable phenomenon. Mm. Not without a world war.
0: No, um, or, or without significant cultural intervention, giving people a reason to have
1: kids. No, because then that wouldn't be replicating the baby boom. That would be replicating something else.
0: Okay, okay, okay. But what? But, okay, so you're, you're referring to the baby boom as a reactionary to tragedy event, blah, blah, blah. But like, we're just talking about increasing, well, that, we're talking about reversing demographic transitions resulting from prosperity and I education i understand I
1: understand. but his whole piece was about the baby boom. all of yeah. these statistical trends the warp, yeah he is looking at the baby boom and he is using the baby boom as a proof point and yet we have other evidence that correlates with this the tsunami mm-hmm. study that mm-hmm. shows that you would expect a baby boom even if nothing else was there mm. tragedy leads to fertility among other this, things yeah among other things, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest tragedies in human history was the Second World War, okay? The people who went through this, anyone who's talked to them, I don't know if you talked to your grandparents about what they experienced during it, it was not fun, okay? I
0: don't know, my grandfather loved
1: it. <laughs> Tell me about that.
0: He, he loved both the Great Depression, like his and you know, he he this is my maternal grandfather who this like is the
1: Calvinist one who's up the, the, the Dust Bowl came yeah. and
0: and they were like in Oklahoma in their like you know one bedroom, one outhouse farm with a big family and they're like, I think I'm gonna stay. And
1: they did. And he told so me during like, the Dust Bowl, like everyone's leaving. I don't know if you guys else read Great yeah, of yeah, Wrath. are the exodus. one family that's like Farming has become so much more rewarding now that we're playing on, on a dark souls level difficulty. Yeah, it was very much like
0: a, this is fine scenario, but like they were, they were actually were fine and they're just like, Oh, let's just eat fire. Now let's eat sand. He, 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 like, I, I have these memories. of was like sitting at this, at their dining room table and him showing me his photo albums and talking about the high school plays he was in and the fish pond that they made and how he would eat fish out of it. And like, they had very, very little, but he was very, very happy. And then the war came and he like went out of his way to like lie about his eyesight and hide like this and that so that he could go fight. And he was so proud about, uh, you know, dropping, you know, he was, he, he flew cargo planes, like dropping troops behind lines at D-Day. Like he just, he thought it was the best thing ever. He was, he, the, and like when, when he, when he died, he was found holding the, the the memory books the photo books from those times like that was what he he Did saw right no i think that my like another side of my family got those because they lived closer to him and you know got the stuff but like i'd love to get scans sure, of the photos but
1: take,
0: yeah. yeah so like th- these this was his time so again
1: uh, hold on, but it this wasn't is so great cultural for thing. everyone. I, okay, I, I mentioned in the previous video about demons and like creating demons for our kids and like our family's intense desire to go to war. <laughs> it is our cultural tradition, you know. Mm. And then Scott Alexander. No, not just first,
0: go to war. Just like freaking struggle. Like, no, oh, hold on. Dust, Dust Bowl. Let me stay. Yeah,
1: Star Slate Codex piece. It's like the Calvinist tradition is they are generally against war, but rabidly pro every war that's ever happened. <laughs> and if you look at something like my dad, like. It's so funny, the way that he got out of the Vietnam War, he so wanted to go that he signed up, like, super early, underage, and then, so he was in, like, ROTC and, like, really tried to get in early, and because he tried to get in so early, he was disqualified and apparently was, like, like." Psych- psychotically like interested in it he was disqualified <laughs> over something trivial to them which was like a a small knee injury he got sound his across. knees
0: made when he walked i think
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He calls i, I do i've never heard this yeah but he really tried. but then that disqualification stayed on his record <laughs> so he wasn't able to be drafted even though he really really wanted to go to war <laughs> early 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 in the war so no i mean we see this you know, across the family, this when a war happens, that they're like, Just get me out there. Let's go. And you've seen this with me when, when various international events have happened. I'm like, "Should I? should I get on a plane? Should I go out there? Should I get a gun? <laughs> Do you think they'd let me fight? And you're like, Malcolm, no, no, no. You need to stay here. You've got three fucking kids take care of your kids i still think that this was a a huge missed opportunity
0: though i'm sure this is like highly illegal and there's no way this could ever exist but like a travel business that would outfit and train but in like the glamping sense so you know like best gear best you know like really nice hotels in their training session any any person who wanted to go fight in an international conflict that was taking place you know like you could you choose your package
1: just international conflicts where you're like the good guys are really clear in this one
0: Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Presumably it would be.
1: uh,
0: Anyway, we don't
1: want to say which ones those are Simone. This is why we, we will
0: keep our mouths shut on that front, but yeah, I'm sure there's just no way that that could ever happen, but it would make, it would make so much money and people would be so happy and they would die doing what they loved. But anyway.
1: Anyway, Simone, I absolutely love you. You are amazing. Uh, You create the hardship, which motivates me to have kids. (laughs)
0: Well, wait, before we before we end this, like I, I, I see your disagreement with this guy, Arco theory primarily like that he. Using
1: data. I think he's pointing to a real phenomenon. Yeah, I do think that you know, the way the women's rights movements grew did hurt female fertility. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's the solution. I think that
0: I so i'm I'm, I'm actually like I, I'm a little bit more bullish on him than you would think, but for different reasons. like I also just read this essay, by Jonathan Haidt where he, he had originally been like, ah oh, yes, like young progressive women are suffering mentally the most. And now he's changed his mind. And he's like, oh, actually, like young men are not all right either. And here's how and why. And specifically what he pointed out is all the ways in which young men are retreating from society. And again, this is like men are losing their status. They're checking out. They're not getting educated. They're not getting jobs or they're, they're getting depressed. And it's showing up differently. Like, you know, I think generally women are much more likely to publicly complain about things and identify as depressed and say all these. Things whereas men don't, they're very quiet and they silently suffer and they just back
1: out of society. Well, and the analyst study shows this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the women ALA, perceive
1: yeah. events in their life as being worse than men perceive equivalent events in their life.
0: Yeah. So in other words, men are not the squeaky wheel in society. They're not saying, "Oh, look at me, I'm suffering," but they are. They're being completely screwed over by society. And I do think that that's a really big issue. And I think that what this guy really st- stepped on and pointed to that i just not really thought of before was the role that relative male status in society plays in making
1: marriage markets work but Everyone is suffering in society. And the point Everyone is, is, yes, is, but... is there any justification of that suffering? Any lean in where you say, oh, yes, you suffering. I can say your suffering is real deal with it. It is so much less than your ancestors.
0: So much less than your ancestors. I agree. But but again, I, I think what's what we're looking at here is a really interesting economic question of how do you – Allow for male excellence to return in society to in a way that it that that enables marriage markets to recover and return because again women prefer it's not men an economic
1: of- question you can't do that you can't unring this bell what you need to do is you need to make cultural not economic changes hmm. you need for people to see having kids as an existential issue
0: yeah but again people aren't going to get married and aren't going to have kids if women don't feel like they can go- find a guy who's who's of slightly higher status than them.
1: No, many women will marry if culture shames them more for not marrying it and not having kids, then it shames them for marrying somebody lower status than them. I'm I think women are very status sensitive. They are. And that it, if, if you changed the reward mechanisms slightly, ever so slightly, you'd see a massive difference in result.
0: Mm, Well, and and maybe it's about framing where status comes from. So if we reframe that status is not, you know, what master's or bachelor's degree you have, you know, it's about like, you know, your earning level and your achievement and your initiative, then like, yeah, men are men are going to be able to make a comeback, perhaps.
1: And I don't even think this is the issue. I mean, we have this journalist right now who's talking to us. She's writing a book and she keeps hampering on to this point is how can progressive women find husbands? Mm hmm. Right, without compromising their values, i.e., uh-huh. without <laughs> compromising at all, uh, mm. and the answer is you can't because your values are evil.
0: <laughs> no, sorry. Well, uh, no, because no both, both sides, both men and women today, have very unreasonable standards. the The young men that we meet all want models who somehow do. are also they do. really it's smart, ridiculous.
1: and they think yeah. they'll find them on these international trips, and they won't. <laughs> They are diluting themselves. No,
0: no, they, they are finding models. It's just that these models are not value aligned and they're not going to pull their weight in the relationship. They're gonna it's these are gonna be toxic relationships mm-hmm, in which mm-hmm, the men are basically put into unsustainable rules, the women are put into unsustainable roles. It's it's a disaster waiting to happen. And but women are the same way. They everyone expects a perfect partner out of the box. They don't realize that this is a thing you have to build over time with an imperfect person that you make perfect through your joint commitment to shared values and goals and everything. Yeah. So I agree with you. I, I, I still though I, I, I have from this point onward. I'm not convinced completely by your argument. I do think that there needs to be a way to to give men more space in society. That there is a huge amount of bias. We'll say from like just from a bureaucratic perspective, as this guy pointed out, that that sort of no, like I,
1: I agree, Simone. And whether or not women should have less rights is something you can think about while you're in your cage tonight, your wife cage, my wife cage, and while um, I'm
0: while I'm you know. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm joking by the way, we don't have a wife cage for no. <laughs> it's it's a luxury model, honestly. It's it's nice, okay? It's like a little chain that goes around the kitchen and she can walk around. People All are gonna believe
0: you though. That they're like people. there's a lot of people who have little like dungeons in their houses with like actual little cages. They're they're totally gonna believe that we
1: right we- that I have a wife cage.
0: Yeah, um we, 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 get we to don't think
1: about W- w- whether or not women should have fewer rights. Uh, yes. And that they would then be satisfied. Like But I know men. I
0: don't I don't think women should have fewer rights. I just feel like men are uniquely disempowered and disenfranchised right now. Right. I feel like there's oh, a well, market correction. I agree, correction. With,
1: that. I agree with that, but I don't think it's it's as much as black pillar said.
0: Agreed. No, totally. That you know, totally, totally overdone. So yeah. Anyway, thought this was you. interesting. You love are you. amazing. Bye. Goodbye. You are perfect chau, chau, chau. And you are
1: a good wife. Thank you. love. Bye-bye. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess no, I sort of cheated no, by finding this up. hottest.
0: Mm. <laughs> bye, Malcolm. <laughs>